0: excited to share the word this morning uh, at the beginning of this year Reuben and I who are the lead pastors of Riverside Lisbon uh, we shared our hearts for the church at the beginning of 2023 and when I say we shared our hearts for the church I'm not talking about some building or some institution but we shared our hearts for you. Our, our friends, our family, and, and what we felt God had for you this year, and for us as well, and the expression that that emerged as we prayed was "lean in." More specifically, we felt an invitation from the Lord to lean into His presence in prayer. And so, if you've been around for any period of time, not for the First comers this morning, but if you've been around for a couple more Sundays, you will have by now heard us say how much we have uh, prioritized prayer this year, how we've made it a focus at Riverside, Lisbon, because we want, we want the church to lean in to the heart of God. To really spend time with him, to really seek to encounter him, to, to not just know about God, but to know God himself, to have moments with him, to, to turn our full attention to him. And so we've been, we've been talking about prayer and we've been encouraging prayer and we've been praying together and we've been asking how your prayer life is because we want you to talk with him, the one who made you, the one who loves you. And I'm not talking about this like, Prayer on my on my way to work when I'm driving, or, or praying when I'm on the way to my university while I'm listening to music and I'm also getting notifications on my phone and I'm but I'm praying. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer, because you know what it's like to have friendship or relationship with someone and you're trying to spend time with them and they're multitasking, looking at their phones and doing other things. I'm not talking about multitasking kind of prayer. I'm talking about the kind of prayer where you switch everything off. And you just want to spend time with Jesus. And you just want to encounter him and and, and really lean in to him. And so today, I've titled my message, Lean In, A Reminder. Because I I want to go back to that first message that I preached in January 2023. And statistics show that that just 24 hours after you listen to a sermon or a lecture, you retain about 5% of what was said. And so I'm pretty sure that the ones who heard me preach this message back in January uh, retained very little of what I said. And so I felt it was important to bring this back as we're getting to the end of this year to remind ourselves of this priority to just push in to the presence of God and prioritize prayer. And this invitation to lean in has completely transformed my personal journey This year. And so as I'm preaching this message now, as opposed to January 2023, I can speak from a very different place, one where I have encountered Christ at a deeper level, where I have experienced the transformational power of prayer. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would please stand with me as we read the scripture. That's going to be our base for this morning Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you would agree with me that we live in an age of busyness and distraction? Like, look back at your week, look back at your year, and reflect on the craziness of your schedules, your routines, your professional life, your social life there's constant movement and change and think about how many things you've done this year and how many places you have been and the jobs you had and the people you have encountered yesterday i asked a couple that i hadn't seen in a while i said oh you're you're here now like you're you're here to stay you've been traveling you're here and they said yeah yeah we're we're here now we're just traveling for christmas and then we're going to come back and then in january we have to just quickly travel for about 3 weeks but then we're going to be back and we're And so their here was not really here. But we're constantly doing something and planning something and we're meeting someone, texting someone, talking to someone, talking about someone. We are traveling and we're planning to have kids and then we have those kids and we're trying to make sure those kids survive to the next day. And we're climbing the career ladder and and we're saving up for retirement and then we're trying to enjoy that retirement. And we're constantly doing something. We're nonstop, busy, busy, busy. And while so many of these things are good, I think that this generation has bought into this lie that somehow the more that we do, the more that we have, the more that we are, and the more that we're in control. And that has resulted in a generation struggling with anxiety like never before. I was on the train with someone this past week, and she's a non-believer, and she was admitting how She lives with anxiety because her life depends on her. And she's got to get things done and she's got to make things happen. And so many people live their lives chasing after things that will give them a false sense of control. If I just work harder, if I just earn more money, if I just invest more time, if I eat the right foods, if I put myself out there more, then I can control the outcomes of my life. Heck, we even think that we can control how long we live. And the other day I came across this post on Instagram. I thought I would show you because it kind of sums up my life. Adulthood is saying, but after this week, things will slow down a bit over and over until you die. (laughs) But how many of us know that things are probably not going to slow down. And we just go from one week to another in this busy, non-stop. John Mark Comer has a, has a book called Ruthlessly Eliminating Hurry. I really encourage you to read that. And at the start, he goes back into history to describe how human innovation and technology was meant to alleviate us, but instead it has often increased our pursuit of control at the detriment of our health In in 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, which made it possible for us to stay up past sunset. We were no longer under the dictatorship of the light in the sky, and now we could stay up past sunset. You know what was the average amount of hours that people used to sleep before this wonderful invention? People used to sleep an average of 11 hours per night. Let me ask you, what's your average of your sleep these days? Six to eight hours, if you're lucky. And so technology started changing our lives. Before when it got cold in winter, you'd have to go into the forest and risk being attacked by some wild animal, not in Portugal because no wild animals here. (laughs) But you'd have to get an ax and chop down a tree and then you'd have to drag the tree to your cabin or somewhere. And then with your bare hands, you'd have to start a fire and it took this whole process and now you go to this thing called a heater and you click this button. <laughs> or if you're fancy, you go on your phone and you have an app that, that controls the heating system in your house. But you, we used to walk or ride horses everywhere, and now we have scooters and cars and planes. We has, used to have to make food from scratch, and now we have Uber Eats. We used to have to think, and now we have ChatGPT. Don't be hating. I like ChatGPT. <laughs> But all this to say that in the 1960s, political theorists all over the world, they thought that by now, we would be working less hours because of all of our technological innovations, and it would save us so much time. Everybody thought that the main problem of today, the main problem of the future, would be that we would have too much free time. So where did all that time go? We spent it on other things in this relentless pursuit of hurry and control. And yet the word tells us, and life will sometimes give us this rude awakening that we are not in control. I don't know how many of you heard that Lisbon Project, we had this uh, fundraiser music concert about a week ago. And it was so beautiful. We had refugees from different parts of the world and they were playing, they were artists. And we had Natalia on the piano. She's a music teacher from Ukraine. And then we had Precious, who's from Nigeria, but she was studying medicine in Ukraine as well. And they had to flee because of the war. And now they were here singing about hope together. And it was beautiful. And then you had these two guys from Afghanistan, and 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 they had studied um, music in the National Musical Institute for over 14 years. They're incredible musicians, and their dream was to become musical professors, and they were here playing. And the thing that stood out to me in their stories was Interrupted Plans was how each of them had had this, had this goals for their lives and they were working towards something in their lives, toward targets to the life they wanted to build and then a war happens or the Taliban takes over or, or things happen in our lives and they just interrupt and remind us that we're not in control. The Bible says you cannot even add another day to your life. You are fully dependent on God for the very next breath that you take. It says in Colossians, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The problem is that we spend So much of our time trying to control every area of our lives that we become too busy to spend time with the one who is truly in control. What a paradox. Martin Luther, he said, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first four hours in prayer. Let me repeat that. He said, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first four hours in prayer. What is he talking about? This is completely counterintuitive. But this is a man who understands the prayer in Psalm 127 that says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. Like he understood that unless God is with me, unless I don't, I don't just want to do things for God. I want to do things with God and through God. And unless God is with me, unless I've heard with him and I heard from him, unless his presence goes with me, then I can go to meetings. I can, I can talk to people. I can uh, build project plans and business plans and I can do all kinds of things but unless the Lord is with me then it's all in vain. This year, I cannot say that I have spent the first four hours of every day in prayer but I did try to make it a habit to pray every day and Reuben and I prayed more together this year than in our full six years of marriage and I don't say this to bring glory to myself but to testify that when you choose to lean in and spend time with the Father, it is transformational. We're not following some formula of, pray in the morning and you'll have a great day. It's quite probable that you won't. Because Jesus promised that in this world you will have trouble and you're going to have hard days. And man, I have faced some hard days this year. But when we spend time with Jesus, our perspective changes. And our vision about ourselves changes and our vision about others changes. Our hearts are softened to the spirit that will continue to speak to us throughout the day. And so in that meeting, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And in that conversation, the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. And in that difficulty, he gives you faith to see the way that he sees We're saturated by his presence that completely changes everything. I was sitting outside the auditorium a couple uh, weeks ago after the service, and I was speaking to this girl who just had an incredible testimony. It was her last Sunday here, and she just wanted to share what God had done. And he took her from a mental hospital in the middle of Europe, completely addicted to all kinds of substances and a broken home and all of that, and she came to Portugal and here she started coming to this church, and she was prompted to buy a Bible, and she met Jesus, and Jesus started to transform her and work in her and free her from all kinds of addictions and remind her who he is and his love for her and reminding her that he is the author of her story and that he can still do something new, and so it restored. She was going back home to restore her relationship with her mother and to forgive all the trauma and everything, and, and then she said this. She said, yeah, but every day I cry because when I become aware of God's presence with me, it's overwhelming. And I thought that was so beautiful that we would be aware of the presence of God that we didn't deserve to have, but that we freely have. Every day, the presence of the Lord is with you. So if we turn to the story today that we read earlier we read that Jesus went to have a meal with some good friends. And right in the first verse, we're introduced to Martha as she opens her, G- her, her house for Jesus to come and eat with them. And there is something beautiful about hospitality. In 1 Peter 4 and in Romans 12, the Bible tells us that hospitality and this loving service is a spiritual gift. Martha was serving Jesus, probably wanting everything to be perfect. If you've come to my home, uh, you will have identify that the hospitable one is my husband. (laughs) And I have admitted in 2023, I have finally come to a decision, an official decision, that I am no longer passionate about the kitchen. (laughs) It has lost its shine, which makes me question if it ever had a shine to begin with. (laughs) But that's the beauty of marriage. And as his passion or as my passion decreases, his increases. And so I humbly become less as he becomes greater In hospitality and cooking and so you're welcome to come not all at once but you're welcome to come to our home and taste pastor ruben's delicious food (laughs) but many times we we read this story and we villainize martha after all she jesus was rebuking her or or we make mary and martha mutually exclusive Like you're either this more contemplative person of prayer and and reflection or you're Martha. you're, You're a doer and you get things done. And it's important to understand that these attitudes or these lifestyles are not opposed to each other. But they're to be lived out as essential aspects of Christian life. Yes, Jesus was correcting Martha in this scripture, but not because she was a doer. Just a few verses earlier in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Talk about a story about doing. He is teaching that, hey, faith without works is dead. Remember, it says in James chapter two that faith without works is dead. He's telling us that it's important to live out your Christianity, to see the fruit of your faith, to, to identify needs and meet those needs. And, and not just to be Christians who come to church on Sunday and worship, but to be people who, who help and who love and who are active in the community, who are active to meet the needs of others. Jesus loves a doer. The problem with Martha's actions was not that she was doing things that Jesus doesn't value. The problem was that she was so consumed with serving that she became distracted. And then when she complains about her sister, she reveals that she considered that what she was doing was more important than what Mary was doing sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so despite her good intentions, In the midst of all her busyness, Jesus kindly says, Martha, Martha. And so many of us have such great intentions. We want to provide for our families, we want to give our children every opportunity to enrich their lives. We want to serve our neighbors, and yes, we want to serve the Lord. I look at Riverside, Lisbon, and I am so excited and so grateful for all that God has done this year. We have grown to two services. We now have the service in the morning. We have an overflow upstairs. We have an evening service as well now. Our, our, Our ministry teams have increased. So many of you have signed up, and you've rolled up your sleeves, and you're serving in different areas. I can see so many talented and passionate people passionate for his kingdom. One of my favorite things is to arrive on a Sunday morning. And to see the Connect team is already busy cooking a buffet for everybody to come in and enjoy. And the Sound and Worship team has been here since 8 a.m. practicing and getting worship ready and prepared. You have the, the Sunday school teachers who are in the classrooms getting the classrooms ready. The facilities team has vacuumed and cleaned and, and gotten everything tidy and ready. And it's beautiful to see the busyness on a Sunday morning because people are preparing to worship the Lord together. It's amazing. And I lead the Lisbon Project, and we've just had our annual leadership retreat this week. Hence the voice. I've been talking a lot this week. (laughs) But this year, we have served more migrants and refugees than ever through Portuguese classes and, and career advice and mentorship and free consultations with lawyers and, and community building events and retreats and kids clubs and all kinds of things. We started a restaurant this year, which is my weekly plug-in for 2D brunch and bar. <laughs> Go and support, eat some pancakes and support the work of the Lisbon Project. But I cannot describe to you exactly what your year has been like, but I'm pretty sure that it's been full on. I'm pretty sure that it's been pretty hectic as well, that it's been pretty nonstop as well, full on with great intentions. Because you're also trying to be a blessing to your family and to your friends and your colleagues. But at the start of this year, I could hear this voice in the same tone as he spoke to Martha saying, Gabby, Gabby in this sweet and gentle voice, but calling my attention from all my good intentions and gently warning me not to miss what matters most. And the message I received is the message that I brought to you at the start of this year in January. I know that you have so many plans and so many dreams for your life, but how much time are you spending at the feet of Jesus? With no agenda, your full attention on the one who is truly in control and the one who longs for your attention. The one who loves to spend time with you. The one who can restore you and heal you and go to places that you've been hiding for so long. How much time are you spending with him? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And so I chose to come back to this message as we're nearing the end of this year because perhaps we're needing some reminding. Especially as we come to, it was just Thanksgiving and now we're going into Christmas and New Year's and life gets hectic and busy and all of your goals that you only have, your your New Year's resolutions, you only have like a few weeks to get them done. So I know it's going to be busy for you guys. Some of you have like 20 kilos to lose by the end of this year. (laughs) I'm kidding. But it's going to get busy. And Jesus is calling your name out of your busyness and all the distractions, inviting you to prioritize him. Don't miss what matters most. Jesus himself. Corey ten Boom said that if the devil can't get you to sin, he will make you busy. And John Mark Comer, this author that I was speaking about earlier, he says that hurry is the enemy of your soul. And that to follow Jesus, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Hence the title of his book. So would you consider, (coughs) when was the last time that you had a moment of quiet? Long enough to hear your own thoughts? And more importantly, long enough to hear God? Even just this silence, we become anxious. It's uncomfortable. So I'm gonna leave us in silence for a little bit while I drink some water. In the society we live in, slow equals bad. When you go to a restaurant, you get annoyed if the service is slow. If there's anything I've been saying to the team at 2D, this new place that we're managing, is quick. You need to be quick. People come, give their menus quick, bring their drinks quick, bring their food quick. We got to be quick. Slow is bad. When the internet is slow and we just see it loading, it's bad. When our kids don't keep up in school, they're labeled as slow, bad. When we leave the house and we get into slow traffic. If you want to see Pastor Pedro annoyed, get him into traffic. (laughs) Slow traffic. The message is loud and clear. Slow is bad. Faster is better. And so we work faster and we eat faster and we drive faster. For those of you who hear me preach and who know a little bit about me and who have seen what my week has been like you're probably like what is she on about (laughs) she's one to speak but i'm not a hypocrite i'm just preaching to myself in public and you get to be a part of it (laughs) i was speaking to someone this week and and she was sharing how she has struggled with the loss of a loved one and and she was saying i used to teach classes on on how to get through the loss of a loved one and now I'm struggling with it and I said imagine me I have to preach the word what should I know <laughs> how should I live this even more but the world says that slow is bad quiet time is a waste you have things to do you have places to be and if you don't things will fall apart organizations will fall and people will die <laughs> and you need to go 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 and yet the word says Do not conform to the pattern of this world. How easily we become conformed to the pattern of this world. How easily we're just like everybody else, running around and trying to control the outcomes of our lives. But the Bible says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will the life of a believer should be radically different. Because we're surrendered to the one who is actually in control. So what is the Bible's answer for all your worries and concerns, responsibilities and and impossible problems to solve? We read in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, lean in. In every situation, pray. In every situation, come to the Lord. Seek him. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that doing a lot of things is bad. I'm not saying that being productive is bad. I'm not saying that having a full schedule is necessarily bad. But all of our service and all of our actions, they must flow out of our relationship with the Lord. Martha's problem was not that she was serving, but it was that she was distracted and she was worried about many things. She couldn't stop. And maybe she didn't want to stop. And for different reasons, many of you maybe are too afraid to stop. This year, Barry preached a message back in April. I had to go look at it. I retained more than 5% of that message. It really stayed with me. It's called Come to Me. He preached it in April. You can find it on Spotify. Where he went through the different reasons why so many of us don't come to Jesus to rest. In a culture of hectic schedules and the relentless pursuit of productivity, we are tempted to measure our worth by how busy we are and by how much we accomplish. I do, therefore I have, therefore I am, and we're constantly trying to meet the expectations of others. There is no one busier than someone trying to meet the expectations of others. If you stop, if you slow down, then, then who are you? Well, the Bible says... Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. This is who you are, and it is more than enough. You are perfectly made and you are perfectly loved. And it doesn't matter how much you do or you don't do. His love for you does not change. His promises over you do not change. It doesn't matter how much you get done. He is still your healer. He is still your provider. He is still the one who will go before you. Some of you are too afraid to stop because it's so much easier to just keep going. We want to build our lives. We want to change the world. There is so much to be done around us. And yes, we include Jesus in it. But the problem is that we're chasing experiences and targets and and, and dreams for our lives. And we're not chasing Jesus himself. And we're missing what matters most. So some of you are asking, wait, Gabby. So in the midst of all that I have to do and all that I want to do, you're asking me to just go into my room and pray? Prayer isn't really my thing. (laughs) Then maybe God isn't really your thing. That is what I'm asking. That's what the Word is asking. That we would turn our attention to Him. And maybe deep down, there's this fear that maybe God won't show up. Well, what if I go and and I go into the silence of my room and and I pray and I don't hear anything and I don't feel anything? Because you're looking at all these other people giving their testimony of how they woke up at four in the morning and they were crying in the presence of the Lord and they had this whole experience and you're thinking, well, it's not really like that with me. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The more that I think about this verse, the the more that I understand that the reward here that it's speaking about is Jesus himself. When you go into your room and pray and you pour out your heart and you thank him for who he is and all he has done and you start to verbalize the blessings in your life more than the answers that you're looking for, more than a change of circumstances, he will reward you with himself and his unfailing love for you. As we prioritize prayer in our church and in our home this year, I can say that Jesus was my reward. I can say that as I went into my room and I shut the door and I am a doer, I am a go, go, go kind of person. And as I, I asked the Holy Spirit, compel me, help me to go into my room and I did the uncomfortable thing of just going into the silence. I can tell you that my reward was Jesus, that I grew in intimacy with him that my relationship with him deepened and and I, and I I encountered him and I had moments with him that I hadn't had before. And sometimes, I can tell you, sometimes I didn't feel all the feels. But in his faithfulness, he rewarded me with himself, with his presence that was with me all the days of this year and will be with me all the days of my life. But the devil is a liar and so he'll start telling you, no, God doesn't care. What God's doing with her, he's not going to do with you. He'll tell you that God's not listening, that he won't move in your life. You see, when Jesus went to the desert to pray and spend time with the Father, the devil showed up. And he started telling Jesus all kinds of lies, picking on his needs to manipulate his heart. And each time, Jesus replied with the truth found in the word of God. And so, so many times this year, I've just prayed the word. I've just declared his promises. I've just declared what I read in scripture and what I believe to be true. And so, when you pray, pray the word. Pray his promises. And let faith arise in your heart. And let faith be like a shield protecting you from the devil's lies. The Bible says in Ephesians, hold up a shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Pray his promises, declare his promises. But Martha just wouldn't stop. And you know what happens when you're trying to take control and you get so busy that you don't spend time with the one who's actually in control? You start getting tired. And it can be pretty exhausting, actually. And if that's you, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. During this dinner, while Martha was busy and doing all kinds of things, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, a rabbi, was to take on the posture of a disciple, a role that was typically reserved for male students at the time. When Paul was sharing his background in Acts chapter 22, he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in in Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. And so Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus because she was so eager to learn from him. She wanted to hear every word. She wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, and she wanted to soak it up. And he says, learn from me. There's a correlation between learn from me, and you will find rest. Sit at my feet, hear my words, seek my word, and you will find rest. This year, the women in our church, we've read over, I don't know, eight or ten books of the Bible together because we're we're wanting to learn from him that we might find rest. But I have to confess that this verse that we read earlier always got to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I've been a Christian for a while and sometimes life just doesn't feel easy or light. And if we go back just a few chapters in Matthew, we read Jesus saying something that seems completely opposite. He says in Matthew 7, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. So what Jesus was saying in the scripture about his his yoke being easy and his burden being light, he was not saying that life would be easy and problem-free. He's always been clear that following him means that the road is difficult and we will face troubles and we will face persecution and people won't understand your choices and people won't understand your values and it's going to be tough. We live in a, in a broken world and it's going to be hard. But in everything, what Jesus is saying in Matthew 11 is that by coming to him and learning from him, in it all, despite it all, you will find rest, because you don't have to face anything alone. Because he is in control, and he is sovereign, and he is writing a story, and he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Jesus will lift your burdens, and when we understand... By coming to him and learning from him and sitting at his feet when we understand his magnificent plan to redeem us and perfect us. And when we're reminded that Jesus is preparing a room for us, man that gives us hope, man that gives us excitement, man that gives us joy in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our biggest impossibilities, we are filled with peace that surpasses understanding. We've just gone through a message series called End Times. And every time every Sunday when they when they said they announced the title of the message, everybody kind of. But this title that is supposed to instill fear, we realize that actually it instills hope. Actually, the end is our beginning. Actually, this is what this is what gives us this blessed assurance when we learn from Jesus, when we spend time to hear from him. Ah, it gives us rest. It gives us peace. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to learn from him because she understood that he wasn't just a guest at her house. He wasn't just a rabbi or a good friend. He was the awaited Messiah, the son of God who was with God and who is God. I've said this before, but it always amazes me. Did you know that Mary appears three times in the Gospels? And each of, and every time that Mary is mentioned, we find her sitting at the feet of Jesus. In this meal, she's at the feet of Jesus, unashamedly taking the position usually given to a man to learn from Jesus. Then in John 11, she's at the feet of Jesus, mourning the loss of her brother, whom Jesus is about to raise to life. Then in John chapter 12, she's at the feet of Jesus, anointing him with perfume, wiping his feet with her hair, preparing him for burial. That would then lead to his resurrection. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And by doing so, she learned, she worshiped, she poured out her heart, she broke cultural barriers, she served him, she aligned herself with what Jesus was doing on earth. She became known for her devotion. So Martha is not a villain. She's imperfect the same way that Mary was in other ways. Martha was serving, but she became distracted. And Jesus was calling her from distraction to devotion, Come, sit at my feet. Build with me and through me. Live your life with me and through me and for me. I want to call the worship team up as we close. But I want to remind you, don't miss what matters most. God wants to keep working through your life to do incredible amazing things for his glory. But he is gently and patiently calling you to himself. How's your prayer life? Maybe it's not a question you get asked a lot. And I don't say this to guilt trip you. I don't say this so that you all leave feeling guilty I'm a terrible Christian I I don't pray. I'm saying this as an invitation. Invitation from your Jesus who loves you. And who wants to be with you. And man, I I can relate to so many of you. That it feels uncomfortable to go into the quiet. To go into the stillness. But I can testify that God shows up. I can testify that he fills us and that we never leave his presence empty-handed. That maybe we don't feel all the feels, but we don't live by feelings or sight. We live by faith. And when you place your faith in him, and when you devote yourself to him, and when you make a decision to prioritize him, He transforms your thinking, He renews your thinking, and He changes your life. He changes your relationships, and things in your life start to gain meaning. So church, would you stand with me this morning? Jesus, you are the king of our hearts. We want to give you the throne over our lives. Because sometimes we take you off of that throne. And we take control. But that road leads to a dead end. A frustrated, a tired, and exhausted end. God, we want you to be king of our lives because when you are in control and when we trust you, that road leads to peace. That road leads to joy. That road leads to a purposeful life with meaningful tasks and responsibilities that actually have an impact for eternity. Open up our vision to see like you see. God, that as we come into your presence, we become aware that we live for eternity. And that we live to worship you. And to enjoy your presence forever. Lord, I pray that you will continue to speak this morning. Holy Spirit, help us to give our attention to you. Break through the noise of our minds. Bring stillness to understand that you are fighting our battles. And that we just need to trust you and be led by you. We worship you, Jesus. Let's sing, John.